Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. <laughs> pushed a button that said fade to black, and I guess it just straight up disappeared on me. Uh, yeah, so today is Wednesday. It's January the 24th, and we are midweek. We are just at the end of the New Hampshire primary. The results are almost all the way in, but everybody's called the race for Donald Trump. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff today. We're going to be talking about corruption. We're going to be talking about why people hate the MAGA. Why do people hate the MAGA? It's not just because people are acting wild out there. There's some uh, concerted effort and some pretty evil evil thought processes happening in the background. And let's see. we got some takeaways. We've got some, uh, some absolute destruction and chaos happening at the Los Angeles Times. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we're going to get into my ex-girlfriend doing wild stuff. Some historic firsts in the Capitol. we got a lot going on. There's a whole bunch going on there. we got uh, Drunk Nancy on right up front and center. We're going to get started. Uh, first, I want to say thanks to our sponsors over at Catholic Vote. You guys know who they are. You guys have seen them before. No thumbs up. No thumbs down yet, it looks like. So uh, that means the FBI may not be watching. I've got some information about what the FBI is up to today, actually. Uh, just came in from a little tip. Let's start with my friends over there at the Catholic Vote. You guys can go to catholicvote.org. You can give up in the top-hand right or the top right-hand side of the website. You can see the green, and uh, you can also sign up for The Loop, which is an outstanding email. It's some of the best news that you will get every single day. You guys should punch your email in, get your zip code, and loop yourself in. They're working towards getting a million signed up. You don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to go to Catholic Mass. You just have to be interested in faith, family, and freedom, and you'll get some really, really good News clips, information, there's some stuff that's Catholic-specific at the bottom. If you want to see pictures of beautiful churches, that's not going to hurt your feelings, I promise you that. They're not going to try to convert you to something, although you might get converted. You might become a radicalized, traditional Catholic if you stick around long enough. Catholic Vote, catholicvote.org. You guys know how to sign up for them. Go ahead and do that. In fact, uh, today's loop has all kinds of really good stuff in it. And one of our first stories is actually going to come from there, but they covered the uh, the Biden and Trump victories in New Hampshire. So we're looking at what we'd expect. Dean Phillips, a little story about that. I'm covering some Dean Phillips stuff today. Actually, my buddy Mark Naughton did some man on the street interviews with him. They're covering down on uh, the Texas governor, pushing back, a whole bunch of little stuff. And starting with the first story that I wanted to do today, because it has some personal significance for me. Let's start right here. And this does come straight out of the loop. This is... What's going on? A piece of history. A Catholic priest celebrates the first Latin Mass in the U.S. Capitol. And that was yesterday. So why? What, what is the, what's the significance, you guys think? If you'll remember, one of the reasons that many of you know me, most of you guys know me because uh, you saw me on either Dan Bongino's show or you saw me on some of the other kind of um, you know right-wing conservative type uh, media outlets. But... One of the things that we did very, very early on as we started bringing a little notoriety to what was going on at the FBI was exposed that the FBI was targeting Catholics in the Richmond Diocese. And this little piece of history here, which is covered pretty well by Catholic Vote's actual news service, they have their own reportings, which is pretty great, covered down that they pushed forward for a Latin Mass in the United States Capitol on the anniversary of the actual intelligence product showing the FBI going after radical traditionalist Catholics who liked Latin mass. So it's kind of a little pushback. It's kind of a little F you. It's kind of a little finger at the bureau, my ex-girlfriend. And it's showing like, look, uh, you want to see how radical we are? We're actually now going to have mass within the United States Capitol. The Arlington Latin Mass Society organized the mass. It was a high mass. 
And uh, it was chosen to be in the United States Capitol, basically to push back. It says it was chosen to recognize the anniversary of the FBI memo that was leaked a year ago by a brave whistleblower, a suspendable whose name you guys don't know, but I do. Um, and it was a uh, message to Speaker Johnson, uh, or a message that Speaker Johnson was actually trying to send to the American people that the American government was founded on religious liberties and the United States Capitol is a symbol of that government and Catholics are welcome there. Catholics, roughly 70 million strong across the country, people who self-identify under that label. Uh, worth noting. And of course, they quoted me a little bit in there. They talked about some of the stuff that I've been doing. But uh, it's very important that we don't give up the ghost. We don't give that ground. We can't cede that ground to my crazy ex-girlfriend. And although I put this towards the end, um, now we'll keep it at the end. We're going to talk about some of the stuff that is still ongoing. The FBI director, here's kind of a little, little drop in the bucket for you. The FBI director is going to be speaking today. This is just letting you know. We still have sources within the Bureau that are letting us know things. The FBI director will be at the Academy at Quantico speaking between 2 and 3 p.m. And uh, he'll be answering pre-scheduled scripted questions. If you follow my Twitter feed, what you'll see is that I actually kind of called out Chris Ray. He's like a B-rate actor in a D-rate movie, or maybe he's a D-listed actor in a unlisted type movie. He's like a, the coach at a crappy high school in a Lifetime movie. That's the best way to do it. He delivers poorly written lines that have minimal impact, but sound perfectly trite. That's Chris Ray. Uh, <clears throat> he says that he has oversight of the FBI. And because of that, we know that um, he's not really running the game there. And that's why he can't answer real questions. He has to have them pre-scripted because his ability to know things is limited, probably on purpose. I don't know if that's always been the case. I doubt that was the case for Hoover. I think uh, Hoover actually ran it with an iron fist. But uh, most recently, they're kind of keeping these guys out of it so that the unelected bureaucrats, the, uh, the senior executive service is able to do the work of the FBI. And they are careerists and they are politically motivated and they are mostly greedy and self-interested. Sounds like I might be on Dan Bongino's radio show tomorrow talking about that and some of the implications, some of the cross-sections between that failure and that's how you end up with a bureau that goes after civil liberties, like people's right to free speech, like people's right to the free press, like our buddy uh, Steve Baker, who we talked about yesterday, uh, and why that they would 100% buy into the narrative of January 6th. I've got a very long, it's not really that many words, but it's a longish tweet that if you guys are not following on Twitter, I'll post it on True Social again after the show. And it's just a quick little breakdown of how absurd it is that the FBI has not caught the pipe bomber and what that might mean. They, they've drawn an analogy, and I think Steve Friend was the first one to point this out to me, so I'll give him credit where it's due. They haven't been able to even tell us that this pipe bomb situation was at all related to what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. We know that the mass that was celebrated at the Capitol was related to the Richmond document because the people who set it up told us. But since we don't know who the pipe bomber was or is, and it may be multiple persons involved, could be a full conspiracy. You know, all they basically have is a date and a time that it happened January 5th, 5th roughly 18 hours before the, uh, the, you know, the Capitol was surged and people broke in and the riot happens. So how do you know that those are connected? That's the equivalent, and I think it's the lazy thinking and logic that we were seeing. Anybody who's in law enforcement knows you should do better than this. But basically, the fact that Kamala Harris was at the DNC on that date and time, she was in a place at a certain date and time, is she connected? I don't believe that, but that's essentially how lazy the FBI's logic is. And that should be troubling for you. Because they haven't ever even established that it had something to do with what happened at the Capitol. 
It's why a lot of people start thinking that there's an operation going on and that it either is involved in government or that the government is complicit in it because they are now implicated. Uh, there was information that we had that the, the so-called pipe bomb, this inert, what looks like a training device, uh, might have had training material that was specific to a DHS contract for training materials for explosive dogs. That's all really troubling stuff, man. And if our government is involved at that level, think about how committed they are to it. So anyway, the, the pushback of the Catholic mass is showing that this is supposed to be a government that serves the people and they can serve the people by having mass inside the U.S. Capitol. That's what I'm going to say about that. All right. Uh, I, I promised you guys a, a show about um, about a uh, wannabe dictator who recently won in New Hampshire. Now, we've been hearing a lot of press about how Donald Trump's first term is going to be a wannabe dictator, but some of us are going to remember that there actually is probably a slightly better, uh, probably a better one-off. What are the kind of the, the things we know about dictators? They want to do things unilaterally. Um, they are willing to demonize an outgroup. They're willing to dehumanize their opponents and use the mechanisms of government to attack them, Right. Uh, they tend to have sort of like nepotistic tendencies and corrupt family members that are willing to take cash and uh, and buy influence and sell influence because it's not about any sort of greater good. It's simply about like what's best for them, their family, and their uh, their regime. Is that starting to sound kind of familiar? Yeah. So we've got drunk Nancy to go ahead and start the day off. She's semi sober, but it, I guess I I'm guessing she's speaking about something that is not what it sounds like. But let's just listen to the words that she has to say. And see if I got something uh, up my sleeve for you. Well, let me say that no one in our country is above the law. And that certainly applies to someone who wants to be president of the United States. And many of the um, transgressions that the president has engaged in uh, are about his integrity. But it's also about our security. <laughs> She's the speaker emerita. Did you see that? That was good. And then also, uh, you know. The transgressions had to do with our security and integrity. Who Whose discretions are we talking about here? Who's indiscretions? Indiscretions like this one? Hmm. What are we seeing on the screen right now is a little piece from the Washington Post dated yesterday. Hunter Biden's paintings have sold for a total of $1.5 million. Now, Hunter Biden, a famous prostitute enthusiast and a cocaine and crack addict, is apparently a very talented artist. And like many very talented artists, he's afflicted by the uh, by the troubles of the flesh and also the Colombian marching powder, the uh, jungle, the jungle bang bang. So here it is. This is the, the gallery owner, a Trump donor, who sold uh, upwards of 10 or told the, sold these works to 10 buyers. Uh, some people have bought multiple paintings and the, and the total take here, $1.5 million. This is what we've been reported. So that's kind of interesting to note, right? The the thing that's very interesting is to note that uh, the gallery gets a piece of it. That Biden's only got 60%. Hunter Biden only got 60% of that $1.5 million. That means that from that particular gallery, three of the biters have been um, identified. Seven remain anonymous, unknown. The largest share of the works, 11 paintings, went for a total of $875,000 to Kevin Morris. Hmm. Who's Kevin Morris? Kevin Morris is one of Hunter Biden's closest friend and a financial benefactor. Isn't he the guy that paid his taxes? Hmm. So that's no big deal. He said, I really like Hunter's art, and I just had to give him almost a million dollars for it. 
there's something really good about that. Uh, he's also apparently made up to $5 million in loans to Hunter. You know, it's just because he's such a cool guy. He's such a cool guy. He said, uh, this is art. And in my view as an art collector, it's very good. Well, I mean, thank God that that's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Another Democratic donor, a woman named Elizabeth Neftali, bought two pieces, one for $52,000 and another for $42,000. President Biden appointed her to the U.S. Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad right after that happened. Huh. So, and then we've got another art collector who's described as a really good friend, part owner of the gallery, and he bought four pieces for a grand total of $122,500. The other seven buyers, they remain anonymous. Nobody really knows who they are. Hmm. And Republicans and ethics experts. That's an interesting way to quote regular people. Are you an ethics expert, folks? When you look at this and you think, this doesn't seem exactly right. Uh, ethics experts have questioned whether buying Hunter Biden's paintings could be a dubious way for individuals to curry favor with the White House. Given that the works of art are notoriously hard to value and the president's son is not an established artist. Of course, Biden strongly denies that and says, of course, there's no problems with what's going on. And that none of the purchasers want none of the purchasers want anything from the White House, except the lady, of course, who spent uh, almost $100,000 that we're aware of in the three donors or the three purchasers we know of. One of them was uh, made into an appointed commissioner on a uh, on a U.S. committee that President Biden was able to put her on. So there's that. Look. One of the things is, is that we learn that you can't always make straight allegations. We can't just say that something is true because we have two facts and they are uh, they look very coincidental and they look to be sort of aligned. We would say it's damning. Those are damning connections. But it doesn't mean that they're necessarily true. It just means that there should be maybe, I don't know, some investigation. Maybe we had ethics. Maybe people in the Democrat Party should want more. Wouldn't that be nice if they wanted a little bit more, if they wanted the alternative? There is an alternative, by the way, to, to Biden, who's been running. He didn't do very well in the New Hampshire primary. He got smoked out. Uh, his name is Dean Phillips. We've got a little bit of an interview with him on the street. Seems like a halfway decent dude. I'm sure he's a, definitely a leftist, but he had a really nice statement about going and setting up an event. And he saw that there was a MAGA event that was going on across the street. So he just went in and started talking to people in the crowd. And he had the same experience that we see every single person that has when you go and you deal with not just MAGA people in person, when you deal with any good-natured and good-hearted people in person. What you find is that they're people. Like I said, I would I would almost pioneer the, the make people people again movement. Because once you do that, you take so much of the air and the rhetoric and the awfulness out of what's been going on in this country for the last couple of years. If you just went and had a nice conversation with a neighbor, you could agree to disagree. Only if you look them in the eye. Only if what is at stake is your actual physical safety, your physical connection to another human being. I've got some thoughts on that. I may do an entire show with Steve Friend about masculinity again. I saw something awful um, Last night when I went to I went to In and Out, I have this regular Tuesday night date with my little girls, and we went and had burgers. And there was this kid, and he had like nail polish, and he's got this gorgeous girlfriend, but the girlfriend is all over him, and he's like the most feminine beta you've ever seen in your life. And I was mad at him for a minute because I thought you're not able to protect this gal. But more importantly, I was really really upset about his his dad. How many dads are letting their kids down by not just teaching them basic stuff like? Basic masculinity. And for all the, the dislike that I have for Joe Biden, of which there's some significant dislike, at least he kind of has the idea that men are supposed to be have some ability to do aggression. Yeah, 
you know, like this. <laughs> this is the thing that kept uh, coming back to me. I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it when we're hearing about this sort of BS claim uh, Donald Trump is going to be a dictator. And so I've got this article. This is from Vox. This is not new. This is from September of 22. This is the so-called red speech. This one is actually showing Biden in the foreground blurred out. In the background, what you're seeing are the Marines standing at this sort of modified position, whatever that is, modified front parade rest. I've never seen that, actually. I don't know what that is. It says Biden defended democracy and pounced on a political opportunity. Guys, do you remember the way that this was covered on the left? Probably not. You probably remember what was covered on the political right, which was how damning it was and how he was basically trying to dehumanize MAGA Republicans. That was his word. This is very interesting. It comes from Ben Jacobs at Vox. This is the political left who were lionizing the speech, saying it was an outstanding move. The goal was to make, quote unquote, MAGA Republicans a label for everything that voters find politically toxic about the GOP right now. I wonder how well that's going. He called it the soul of a nation speech. We re commonly refer to it as the red speech. And he said, Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Can you get any more aggressively ridiculous than that? Donald Trump is running in the same type of election using words and not actions and not military force as Joe Biden is in theory, except President Trump is actually running around the country and doing it. Joe Biden is like sort of stumbling around and showing up at like pro-abortion rallies for whatever reason that is. He's barely even running. He wasn't even on the ballot in New Hampshire, the first in the nation primary. Why is that? Because they were afraid he was going to get destroyed because he was terrible. And odds are, if people were being really honest and not being strategic and people in New Hampshire are known for being pretty pretty free thinking, it's a free thinking, libertarian minded kind of place. Um, I think Biden might've gotten destroyed. You know, the numbers didn't show that, but the numbers were very low. We're going to show you who was actually voting and why some of the Nikki Haley numbers might be massively inflated for the actual sort of um, Republican support over Donald Trump. I think it was actually much higher. We've got some uh, some video to sort of document that. Uh, but going back on this thing, he says, uh, the American democracy, which we don't have a democracy, we have a republic, and he knows that, and we know that, and they keep trying to push it. I guess most Americans don't know that, and that's why we have to learn civics. The American democracy only works if we choose to respect the rule of law, he said, as his son is not prosecuted for gun crimes and is having these massive ethics questions, right? He says, I will not stand by and watch the will of the American people be overturned by wild conspiracy theories and baseless evidence-free claims of fraud. Oh, he's not going to stand by and watch the will of the people, which he has interpreted when basically half this country, whether you like it or not, half this country believes one thing and half the country believes the other thing. And rather than seeking sort of a coalition government, which is what you'd normally think, you'd normally do what's called coalition government. You'd go and you'd build consensus and find the things that we all agree on, and then you would fix that thing. And you would leave the stuff that's highly contentious out because you don't have the mandate to do such a thing. Uh, just like we talked about with, uh, I know I've talked to George Hill about this. I know I talked to Mike Waller about it. I can't remember if it was on or off camera. But when you take a you know 50% plus one, the tyranny of the majority, and you claim that that makes it a mandate, actually the, the, uh, the Electoral College sort of gives you that, that ability to do it, 270, right? Of the, uh, of the 530. So getting over there, getting over the hump in the Electoral College gives you the ability to claim that there's a mandate, even when 50% of the population might disagree with you vehemently. Doesn't mean that they're going to be so dangerous 
that they need to have this kind of nonsense. We got another little article from them too. And then I want to play something from uh, his spokesperson, who's my favorite, Karine Jean-Pierre. So here you go. Here's another one. Look, this was covered uh, by the newstatesman.com. Again, same day. This is written by a woman instead of a man. Biden's right. Trump and the MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy, but the U.S. won't be saved by a speech. It needs more actions, you know, like a dictator. <laughs> they said that uh, Donald Trump and his most ardent supporters represent a semi-fascist. Now we're, now we're not even going to call him full fascist. That, like, that's today's words. Back then, this was over, you know, 18 months ago, it was semi-fascist. And so he has a speech in Philadelphia, made it clear. There was no slip of the tongue. Yeah. Because the idea that make America great again, Donald Trump's catchphrase, that should constitute extremism and a threat to democracy. I take make America great again on its face as what it should mean. That this country was better when I was a kid. I've said it a number of times now. I've even led a speech off with it that the country I was born in would invade the country I live in. And I've never moved and lived outside of this country. Well, briefly in, in England. It's pretty important to note that Objectively, the polling says that more people who were born and are growing up in the same era that I did, you know, sort of the, 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 the mass of the age of wage earners in this country have looked around and said like 60 plus percent, maybe almost 70 percent of people don't think this country is better than it was when they were growing up. And more importantly, they don't think that their kids, the vast majority of Americans that were polled, even in New Hampshire last night, said they don't think their kids are going to experience a better America than they did when they were growing up. They think it's gonna be worse. That's not good. That's troubling. Like that's that's the opposite of the American dream. That's literally undermining the American dream. And so make America great again should be a pretty straightforward, whether you like the, the TM version of it, the brand name of it, or whether you like the fact that it just means what it means on its face. We can take Donald Trump seriously without taking him literally. And you can say that this is not a bad goal. But instead, they've tried to demonize it. And to be in a truly scary way, the political left said, yeah, he's right. Trump, having falsely claimed that he won the 2020 presidential elections, I'm going to come back to that point, so just hold on to that in your head, now makes thinly veiled threats of political violence. He should face consequences for his actions, which uh, reportedly include taking classified information involving nuclear seeds. Oh, this was back when they were, they were throwing that around, so that's kind of fun. It's really ugly, y'all. To say that, and it's not like they're uh, they're going to be honest about honest honestly anything. They can't be honest about anything because the facts and the record do not side with a Joe Biden. They don't side with what he's been doing. It's not working. It's pretty obvious. The American people have shown that both in polling, uh, our dollar is worth less. People's you know housing prices are higher. Like all the all the indicators are that this is a failed presidency. And yet they're going to try to do it. What? Like they're going to run on abortion. They hadn't like, that's what he did. If you guys don't know that, that's what Biden was doing. Instead of campaigning like normal people do during the primary season, he was at an abortion rally for uh, re restore row. I guess that's the thing you could do if that's where you want to go. Pretty dark. Um, I got a good video of Karine Jean-Pierre who is always great. This is her finding consensus. She actually says, this is kind of the funniest. They're all about the gaslight, right? The gaslight burns eternal. We could warm ourselves through the coldest winter with the gaslight that they burn. Uh, she says basically that everybody agrees that the border is an issue, but uh, Republicans are the ones who are stopping it. Does that seem true to you? Does that seem even close to accurate? 
I know those are rhetorical questions. Let's listen to the spokesperson for the White House, who's going to not just say what the president said. She's going to add a little bit to it because, you know, he didn't really say that much. I got some mumbling of his as well. Um, here she is trying to sort of defend border, border policy under Biden. The president spoke to this last week uh, a little bit, too. He said, you know, he, he called out, he said to House Republicans, do you really want to actually fix this problem? Do you really actually want to um, do the work that's needed to deal with the issue that we're seeing at the border? Do you really want to fix this immigration system? I'm adding on to what the president said, but that's a question for House Republicans. I think we have proven, Republicans in the Senate and Democrats in the Senate, have proven that we actually want to work on this issue, uh, on this broken system. And so, look, if they are real about this, if they want to fix this problem, then they would get involved. They would get involved, but they haven't, right? You heard me say back at the end of uh, last year, they left in the middle of December while negotiations were happening with Republicans in the Senate and the Democrats in the Senate. So, you know, this is a real problem. This is an issue that uh, Americans care about, and they want to see it done in a bipartisan way. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying. I don't know why House Republicans continue to get in the way. I don't know why they get in the way. I don't know why they just don't do, you know, like some bipartisan work. Why are we not going to just do that? Why can't they just get out here and try to help us fix the border? As we are actively seeing, uh, you know, the Border Patrol chopping down razor wire. By the way, just my little um, interesting take. I've been watching a bunch of social media about this. Wouldn't it be interesting if the uh, the findings that were made against the state of Texas saying that they couldn't have razor wire, if they just took it literally in a true Democrat way, in a true FBI sort of director way, and they said, well, we couldn't have razor wire. That's why we changed it all to barbed wire. We're going to just use barbed wire. And when they say, no, you can't use barbed wire, we're like, oh, we're just going to use electrified wire. Just keep changing the type of wire until we eventually run this game out because you could at least slow down the, the, uh, the surge. That would be nice for me. I would love to see them just once play by the same types of rules uh, before we kind of get into the results from New Hampshire, which I think there's some really interesting takeaways from there. Let's go ahead and say a thanks to our one of our sponsors. Uh, this is a Patriot Cooler. It's in my hand. I was drinking it while listening to Jean-Pierre with too much eyeshadow on. You guys called it out in the chat. It was the exact same thing that I saw, which is kind of funny. But uh, there they are, my friends over at Patriot Coolers. You guys can follow them on social media at Patriot Coolers, or you can go to PatriotCoolers.com. It's PatriotCoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle, K-Y-L-E. This is the one I'm holding on to right now. This is keeping my uh, my coffee nice and hot. Suspendable's little logo on here. This is the 16-ounce, the fatter than most of your cup holders, coffee mugs. You guys can check out their tumblers. You can check out their hard-sided. I got to put the picture up. I took a picture while I was doing groceries the other day, and it's full of my groceries. I use the tan one like you see on the screen right now. It's the 50-quart. Uh, I carry it around every day. Most of us don't get a chance to use our coolers very often, so I'm always looking to find a way to implement the gear that we have that has some value. And is there additional utility we can get? Yeah, there is. You can actually carry around your cooler. And if you want to keep things hot, you could actually throw in like a bunch of hot tamales like they do at uh, the HEB sh shopping center that we have here. Or you could throw your cold stuff in when you're leaving the grocery and not have to worry about it, particularly if you live somewhere where it's hot. Apparently, some of you in Florida have 80-degree weather right now. Holy moly. It's 80 degrees. I guess winter is over. We had a week of it, and it's done. So if you guys want to uh, keep things hot or cold for longer, go to Patriot Coolers. Patriot Coolers with an S on the end of it. .com. The promo code is Kyle. Saves you 10%. If you spend more than 50 bucks, free shipping. You're going to want to spend more than 50 bucks, especially if you're like me and you hate paying for shipping and you want to take that money and you're like, oh, eight bucks for shipping or six bucks for shipping. I'd rather apply that to another thing. I'd rather get a $6 discount on the next thing I buy. Go ahead and check that out at PatriotCoolers.com. Promo code Kyle. And we're really appreciative of them. All right. Um, let's let's keep moving forward. Let's go to, let's go to New Hampshire, shall we? 
We'll go to New Hampshire. Let's see what we've got here. The uh, the Biden Biden campaign was successful. This is coming from uh, NPR, my favorite. I love NPR in some ways because NPR believes the world is full of trannies and uh, gender confused people, even in Kenya and even in Uganda, like everywhere in the world is full of whatever NPR writers write. Uh, they wrote that Biden wins the New Hampshire primary after Democrats write him on the ballot. Why? Because he wasn't on the ballot. What the hell? The, the sitting president of the United States, the guy who's sitting there. By the way, he's always really squinty, too. Do you notice that? If you're looking on the screen, you're seeing he's got those eye squints like that always catches too much light. Maybe his face has stopped responding or maybe he's on some drugs that is keeping him semi-lucid. Is it keeping him lucid? You know what? Before we do that, let me just do this. Let me just share with you what he was doing instead of campaigning. Biden wants you to know that you can't mess with women in America. I don't know what that means. And neither do you. But here we go. Ready? Uh, let's just hear some gobbledygook. Uh, he wasn't printed on the ballot. He won regardless. They came in and wrote him in. Does anyone know who Dean Phillips is? Not really. He is a Democrat from Minnesota who's apparently running a presidential campaign, and he's the only one that knows. 21,000 people actually turned out and wrote for him. He was on the ballot. 58,000 wrote in Joe Biden's name. Uh, a couple of other people that you saw, Marianne Williamson, who's been kind of floating around for the last couple of years, she got 5,000. So she got 10%, almost 10% of what Joe Biden got. And 6,900 people were written in. I saw this exhaustive list, by the way, of all the people that were written in for the Democrat primary. And it's just like, God knows who it is. It's just like this massive list uh, of, of randos. So there were like 7,000 votes for that. That's more than 10% of what Joe Biden got. And he's the president of this country. Again, the total turnout there, very, very low. They've got 93% of the results reporting as we went live this morning. Eh, it's just, it's, it's an utterly unimpressive move. And the guy, my wife and I were watching a couple of videos. We've got a video of him actually speaking, but there was a guy, this guy, Dean Phillips, who's talking. He's kind of like a robot that just says, you know, generic Generic Democrat-y things, I suppose. I don't know what else you would call it. Uh, my buddy Mark Naughton caught up with him on the street outside of one of the polling centers, got a little bit of take on him. Like I say, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He's certainly younger and more coherent than Joe Biden. He's not, he's not rocking the boat, but here you go. Here's a little taste of what the guy's like. That's what they're saying. That's good news. Okay, so uh, we're looking at 2,300 votes so far cast today. Uh, they said that's a little above average. It's not an entire blowout, but it's your campaign. I'm going to give you, you know, the, the time. Uh, do you think this is uh, this is the time where you need uh, a new Democrat? Is it, is it, is it your, your platform, sir? You know, very, very objectively, I'm a Democrat. Uh, I believe Joe Biden is going to lose. All the data says the same thing. He's going to probably get blown out in states like Georgia, Michigan. He's down in the battleground states. His approval numbers are still below. And yet my party wants to coordinate some of the life he's going to lose. I think Joe Biden's a good man, but I think it's time for change. The country is surely saying that. 70% of voters saying that they don't want Donald Trump or Joe Biden. And in America, we practice democracy with competition. And the fear of so many from competing is deeply bothersome to me. I think the GOP stage that had eight or nine people or 10 at the beginning, now, of course, it's two. That's how we should do this. And I think Democrats should be practicing the same, especially in a consequential election like this one. And I got to tell you. So the audio is not fantastic, and we're going to work on that. Um, Mark and I are actually going to do a project together, so you guys may see more of Mark. But uh, one of the things that was basically stated is that, uh, you know, he thinks that they should actually be more like the Republicans did. 
Go figure. Put some people on the debate stage. The, it, it goes back and forth, folks. If you've watched these for a long enough time, you know that there have been times when there have been a ton of people that were in the race. Uh, when Joe Biden was trying to get it all locked up, there were a bunch of people in the race. And then when you have the incumbent, they tend not to be the case. They kind of rally behind the incumbent. But what an incumbent to rally behind, of all things. Um, I've got that video. I, I think I've got the, the video of Joe Biden chatting. This may not be the best size, but we'll give it a shot. And I'll see if I can show it to you real quick. Uh, we may play it more than once because it's really funny to me. And I just... I don't know. I just like hearing the president of our country just kind of represent us in a great way. Makes me feel really good. Makes me feel like we are in control, like the grownups are, you know, at the table. Here we go. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Did you guys catch that? You want to see it one more time? Don't mess with the women of America unless you want to get the benefit. I think that's what the point is. You guys let me know in the chat if you know what that we'll means. Teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Who are the women behind that guy that are cheering? Can we can we just have like a moment and just wonder like what would it be like if you were at a speech and the guy in front of you said, Mary, benefit. And then they're like, yeah. It's so strange that that guy is the front runner for them. Like I said, he had to be written in. It's just it's just bizarre. It's bizarre to watch it happen. It's bizarre to be in a country where we're supposed to pretend like that guy is in charge of anything. Does anyone believe that? It's the, uh, the same thing. American can be defined as one word. And then he just like has like a full tarred moment where it just, spits out like he's having a seizure. It's so strange. And and that kind of leads me to where we're at with, uh, first of all, we'll do the, the takeaways here. We've got some takeaways, so let's do that. We'll, uh, Biden wins, whatever. Trump stomps Nikki Haley. And part of the reason that I think it actually matters is because we actually had a bunch of Democrat voters show up and vote for Haley. We got some video proof of that, which I'll play you in just a second. But moreover, um, the numbers that showed up for Trump you know, more, more significant, more voted for Trump than the entire Democrat primary. Yeah, you put that together. Here we go. So there were five takeaways that CNN had. I've actually got a better slide than this right now. How about this? Let's look at the numbers, shall we? So the numbers are pretty clear. You've got 92% reporting. There's far less reporting in the, uh, in the Democrat camp. And, and how about this? <laughs> They did it on paper, y'all. They were able to get the results on paper. How did that happen? How could they figure out paper ballots with, look at the numbers, 165,000 for Trump, 130,000 for Haley. They were able to figure it out like 10 plus minutes after the uh, the polls closed. Interesting. 165,583 votes, 12 delegates bound, fifty almost 55% going to Donald Trump as of this morning, right when we went live. Uh, Nikki Haley, a double digit loss. She's at 43.1%. 130,500 gets nine delegates. Trump now has 2x the number of delegates uh, bound to him for, and then of course some of the uh, the delegate have been sent to folks who have dropped out for whatever that's worth. Uh, you, you've got you've got some pretty big numbers. Then you look over here at Joe Biden's numbers, 55,000 total voted. He got 66% of the vote, great. He's the flipping president. He can't speak English and he wasn't on the ballot. I don't think that's the resounding win that it, that you'd be wanting it to be. And uh, and moreover, what we found out is that we've we've actually got 
we've got Democrats voting that stepped in. We've got a couple little videos of people that were interviewed on the streets in New Hampshire talking about how these were strategic votes trying to push Nikki Haley into a position. I kept telling you guys they want Nikki Haley because if Nikki Haley and Biden are on the ballot, that's a win for the Democrats, for people on the political left. Hands down. No question about it. Let's try to play that video again, which I, I accidentally queued up earlier. And I've been speaking to voters all day, and there's really been two types of voters generally who I've been speaking to. One, registered Democrats who are writing in Joe Biden as a show of solidarity, a symbolic show of solidarity with the president. And the other, would, uh, which is an undeclared voter who has a more liberal-leading ideology and who seems to be voting for Nikki Haley almost strategically. And one of those voters is with me right now, Christian, a freshman from Dartmouth, you know, or Dartmouth College, rather. Christian, who did you vote for and why? Yeah, so thank you. I voted for Nikki Haley, and it was certainly a strategic vote. Um, I think the DNC is fairly resolute in their nomination for Joe Biden. Uh, and while I wouldn't vote for her in a general election, particularly on our differences with uh, climate change solution, a woman's right to bodily autonomy, or uh, incarceration rates, I think a vote for Nikki Haley is, helps diminish Trump's influence in the RNC and their nomination, but is also a vote towards democracy. And Christian is emblematic of so many conversations that I've had here throughout the day. Rachel? All right, so he's emblematic of a lot of conversations that he's had during the day. He's a young man that's voting uh, for women's reproductive health, which is just uh, for babies being killed. And, uh, you know, I'm no, I'm not sure what skin in the game he has. The, the reporter looks very young as well. So those are young men who are talking about how this happened. He said he's had that conversation over and over again. The one thing that I will call you in, 10 minutes left in the polls when that clip was, was aired. 20,000 votes registered to Trump, 17,000 votes registered to Haley at that time. All right. And then you're looking back up on the screen here. And what do you see? 165,000 votes. They were able to calculate another 250,000 votes. I'm just doing quick math, I think. 250,000 votes they were able to do over the night. So by, that by um, 9 a.m. Eastern time, before we went live, they had already done a quarter of a million in one state on paper ballots. Why do we need voting machines again? What do they add to us? Other than we get 16 hours of black box time and then the machines spit out an answer that tells us something. This should be, these primaries should actually be the, not just the primary for who's going to run in the general, but it should also be sort of the, the test case where you say, hey, mm, paper ballots work just fine. We're good. We don't need you. We don't need you guys doing these machines. I, I wonder how much of that has to do with just the, the dollar amounts in the contracts. We've talked to Sonia Labosco a lot about how the TSA basically exists to funnel money to contractors like GE and Lidos to build those scanning things. They don't actually serve a function. They don't make you any safer. Any of you who know that have been traveling. They have a, a massive failure rate, 95 96%, because they're only as good as the person that's involved in it. So that's not helpful. And yet, you've got this sort of like uh, big money punched out to... American companies, and they're pretty psyched about getting that cash. So maybe that's the whole piece behind it. If that's really the issue, obviously having some control or the ability to to uh, defraud our elections is is beneficial to at least one side, you'd think. But doesn't that eventually swing back? Like, doesn't it, like are there Republican hackers out there that are working on the same problem? I don't know. I'm not advocating for it. I just would like to see something like the same way that we try to legitimize any foreign nation when the United States goes in and tries to stabilize the democracy or whatever you want to call it. What do they do? Paper ballots, one person, one vote, voter ID. That's it. That's how the CIA goes and tries to establish these things. <laughs> We're doing the exact opposite to ourselves. Uh, it's why that video about the PSYOP that we played maybe a couple months back about the QAnon PSYOP thing. 
where they say, usually we go in and we try to do these to other countries, but we're doing these to this country. How many of us feel that? I mean, all these techniques have been basically weaponized. And I think George Hill has been talking about it. They weaponized the techniques. They learned how to do them. They honed their skills in like, you know, non-sophisticated populations. They turned around. They're using a lot of this stuff on us. We don't need electronics in our elections. Um, I appreciate that coming out of the chat. That's exactly true and 100% the case. You know what they do need, though? I'll tell you this. They, they need to fact check Trump. So let's throw this on the screen real quick. Here's some fact checks. You guys like CNN fact checks are the best. He made false claims in New Hampshire. I got a bunch of them on the screen. So Democrats and taxes was one of them. It's pretty funny. Um, the, the biggest one, the first one that they did is actually the largest. It's on the bottom of the screen right now. It says fact check. Trump's claims are false. I told you I'd come back to this. He lost the 2020 election fair and square to Joe Biden. <laughs> Isn't that how you do real, honest, hard-hitting reporting? Fair and square. What are you, in sixth grade? Yeah, uh, okay, we all believe that, and the FBI didn't investigate it, so there's that. There remains no evidence of fraud, even close to widespread enough to have changed the outcome of any state, at least that we're willing to acknowledge is widespread or exists. So that's really fun. There's another one he talks about taxes. They just are like hammering in with things that are nonsense. So what did Trump say? He said, uh, do they hate our country? They must hate our country. Classic Trump. Uh, because there's no other reason why they could be doing the things that they do. Take a look. The taxes, they want to raise your taxes four times. He didn't say they want to raise your taxes 400% or to four times the rate that they are. He said they want to raise your taxes four times. And I, whether that number is accurate or not is kind of interesting. I imagine that it means that there's like four different possible tax hikes that are being discussed. You can take this any number of ways. It's a pretty vague statement. So what do they do? Facts first. This is false. Neither Biden nor other top Democrats are proposing anything close to quadrupling people's taxes. <laughs> Thanks, CNN. You guys are so good at uh, bringing back democracy which they love. They love the idea of bringing democracy. Uh, there's another one on there talking about uh, registered people, which you just saw that one kid. You just heard that uh, MSNBC said they're having this conversation over and over again. Trump basically said that uh, as many as 4,000 people, he said, I think they had 4,000 Democrats before October 6th that had already voted. Now they're voting because they want to make me look bad as possible. In other words, what he said is they dropped out of, you have to be registered in one party or the other or an independent. And people basically changed from Democrat to independent or Republican before the deadline at the end of last year on October 6th so that they could vote in a different primary. And the idea being that it's strategic. Now, 4,000 votes is not nothing. And uh, and essentially they're saying, well, he's he's lying. He doesn't know how they voted. He doesn't know what they're about. Except... We have videos of these people talking like that. It continues to be something that's out there. I'm fairly confident here. This one I have called Dems for Haley. Uh, yet another one of these guys saying the same kind of thing. You already heard MSNBC. This is a different kind of reporting. So. Haley. And why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, it's a vote against Trump. Uh, I think it would be better to have her against Biden in the uh, elections than it would be Trump. Her. Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican, or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. So when you undeclared, you voted for Nikki Haley. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. All right. And this receipt number two is the exact one that we showed you first, but it was a little longer version. That I like the, the second quote. So there you have it. Uh, there are people out there that said it. There's at least two guys, and, and the, the reporter said that they had this conversation over and over again. It's worth noting, um, even though the Democrat establishment really, really hates Trump. Man, I think they actually need Trump pretty badly. We're going to show you that in just one second. Before we do, let me say thanks to my buddies over at 4Patriots. Things might be getting spicy out there. You guys can probably sense it too. Uh, you go to 4Patriots.com slash Kyle, the number four, Patriots with an S on the end of it, dot com slash Kyle, and you can get yourself prepped 
for God knows what is coming. And we probably know that all of it is on the ballot, whether or not we're going to have some spicy riots, whether you're going to have rolling power outages, who knows what kind of fun things could be coming our way. We've obviously got an invasion going on at our southern border. Guys, get yourself set up, whether that means you got to get yourself a hatchet and a, and a shovel that doubles as a spear some good zombie equipment, or you're more practical and you think, hey, I need calories, I need comms, I need continuity of my capabilities and my heating, you guys can go to four, the number four, patriots.com slash Kyle, the number four, patriots.com slash Kyle. Get yourself set up. There's a couple of options on there. You're going to get a landing page of various things. Uh, I like the lemon bars. Those are my favorite things. If I'm going to be in an emergency and my life sucks and I'm only going to eat one food, I like lemon bars with high calories. They're like, uh, what did my buddy always call them? He called them Lambus. You guys know Lord of the Rings nerds? The, uh, the Lambus bread that would just like feed you as much as you needed. <laughs> Those lemon bars are actually pretty good. They travel really well. They're wrapped up in kind of like parchment paper. You pop them open um, and they're just nothing but straight calories with one flavor. And that flavor is lemon, which is, uh, you know, you get... Sick of it if you do it for days and days and days. But if you're just into a situation where you need to have some calories and you need to perform, get yourself squared away. We always used to talk about it. When you were doing like a crappy ruck, that means carrying a heavy backpack for like some long distance to some point. When you're doing it, at some point, you just get uh, calorie depleted and you get really depressed. And so the best thing to do is to take a knee, hydrate, and have a little pity party with something that tastes good. Uh, lemon bar is a good option. The uh, the Hua bars and the MREs, if you're uh, if you're Tac P in our, our chat, then that's another good one. And then you press on, get back to work. Check out 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. The promo code is Kyle everywhere we do it. All right. Um, how badly do they need this? Uh, how bad does the Democrat establishment and even the media, the special elites that are out there trying to tell us what to think. They need it. They need Trump so bad. Look at this from CNN the other day. <laughs> the LA Times plunges into quote unquote chaos as brutal layoffs loom and senior editors call it quits. They need to be having more Trump coverage. They need the mean tweets. They can't afford to pay them. They said they could slash upwards of 20% of the newsroom. They actually ended up supposedly slashing almost 25%. Okay, good. One, they're not doing news, so that probably helps. But more importantly, they don't have anything to cover. They're trying to not cover Joe Biden. They're trying to not cover the border insanity. So what do you got to do? You got to do something. You got to bring back Trump, people. The LA Times and CNN, they absolutely love them some Trump when it comes to covering and being angry. And if they were smart, they would be trying to slide him into office instead of this loser. They're, they're at a, a like a real interesting impasse. Think about this. Think about how tough it is to be a, a political leftist, to be a Democrat in this country. You've got to defend Joe Biden, which is borderline indefensible. Hold on. Here he is. Uh, here's Joe Biden being weird. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. So you got to celebrate that guy. You got to get behind him and be like, yay, old confused guy. But then you also have to hate a guy who is articulately just slamming home all the things that make you super riled up and give your base something to read about and to click through and to, to fume. Like all of that rage porn is really, really helpful. It really helps your readership numbers. CNN went in the tank. Nobody was watching CNN after Trump got out because they're like, meh, nobody cares. Not important. They need this. They absolutely need a little bit more Donald Trump. They should be also promoting it. Again, there it is. LA Times just getting rocked at the beginning of the year. I don't know why they call it a venerable news outlet. That's kind of like goes into the same thing as what uh, what Andrew Clavin always talks about the New York Times, just a former newspaper. These things used to do news. Now they're propaganda outlets. And their propaganda is not interesting because they're guys in power. 
propaganda for these people is going to be most interesting when they're actually trying to work against something and they need to work against Donald Trump. They need him back in. So you need to make sure that happens, I guess, if you are on that camp. Um, got a, like another thing, sort of like a urban decay. We keep hearing we keep hearing how how great things are under Bidenomics. We all know that that's false. This is kind of something. How about this? If you can't solve the problems in Washington, D.C., and that includes my ex-girlfriend, the FBI, which I'm going to show you a little map of real quick. Actually, I'll show you the map right now. Here's the map of the where the CVS is located. Okay, we're looking on the screen right now. What you see is that the little heart with the pop-up, that's Federal Bureau of Investigation. That's 601 4th Street Northwest. That's my last uh, business address before I left. <laughs> when I left the Washington field office, that's where it was. And if you look at the uh, above it directly, there's a thing that says U Street Hotel and the Line DC and the High Road Hotel. And there's a 7-Eleven right in the middle right there. That's roughly where the CVS is. It's in an area called Columbia Heights. So it's walking distance. It's a long walk, but it's walking distance. It's under a mile. And it's also walking distance from the U.S. White House. It's from uh, the U.S. Capitol. All of these things are walking distance to the CVS. I just saw this and it's absolutely trashed. You can't even solve the problems in the city that is run by the federal government. The, the federal government can't even run the city of Washington, D.C. in an effective way. How on earth are they going to try to claim that they're going to make anything else better? This is the argument, by the way, uh, for the anti-federalists that state power and that local power is more important. It's the biggest argument. You, you bring it closer because the federal government sucks at almost everything. And they suck at this. Here you go. Here's a video. This, by the way, when this guy walks outside, keep an eye on it because this is not like an awful neighborhood. This is like a normal neighborhood in D.C. That's pretty safe. Here we go. They come in here the day it's and they steal everything. I just want a soda. I just want a drink. They put some stuff in here, but they uh, can't keep can't keep shampoo on the shelves. It's like just totally and completely picked over everywhere. I just wanted that Coke. <laughs> Look at the razors. Crazy. Can't even keep the candy at the front. metro station here and then they opened up a bunch of like shopping areas around here but what's happened and this is now we'll see it on the other side of the street these uh, street vendors have been paying kids to go to the CVS and steal stuff that they then resell on the street at a discounted price so a lot of the street a lot of the stuff that's stolen from CVS ends up over here on the streets being being resold not not all of them some of these were legit street vendors so oh, this is some cool stuff but some are selling weird stuff <laughs> he got distracted by the uh, the pretty shells or whatever the heck that is but the idea that you would send kids in to go steal from a CVS and then those kids are going to turn back around, give it to people outside, and the street vendors are going to sell CVS's products at a discounted rate, which cost them nothing because they didn't have any logistics issues, they didn't have any supply, and they didn't even pay for it. 
What an absolute disaster. And like I said, the FBI's field office is right down the street. That actually sounds like low-level organized crime. Wouldn't you want to kind of square that away? I don't think the FBI should be involved in that. But that actually seems more important to me than flipping misdemeanors at the Capitol where people were trespassing. Can we just get behind that idea? That if you're going to go out there and you think that misdemeanor trespassing without doing any physical property damage is an issue, then also maybe like stealing bubble gum and working with people who came in from out of state. Because those people don't necessarily live in D.C. They might live in Maryland. They might live in Northern Virginia. Oh, man, you crossed interstate lines to be involved. That's like racketeering type stuff. You could do some like mob level enforcement on there. Oh, if you and if you really wanted to, you could. You could definitely probably figure out a way to make that a Hobbs Act issue or whatever it is. They actually have an, an entire task force that's called Safe Streets. It's a U.S.-wide FBI piece. They're not doing that. They're not interested in doing those things. What are they interested in doing? They're, they're interested in telling Congress what they're willing to accept. And they are not, like, they're negotiating with Congress. They're a federal agency that serves the American people in theory. No, they're not. What do they do? They do this. Check this stuff out. You may not see this anywhere else. We're talking about the FBI telling you, there's that 98% compliance, by the way. 98%, 98% of the time, they don't violate the law when they're using FISA. These are FISA 702 by the numbers. 98 compliance. The uh, the compliance numbers are right up front. They're very, very proud of it. <laughs> they're so proud. And it used to be uh, lower than that. They've had a 14% increase. The FBI's Office of Internal Audits, the high-risk queries, there's a 14% improvement on the pre-reform audit. So they've actually done way better. They're 14% better, and they're only violating the Constitution, you know, one time out of 50 when they're doing this stuff. The Constitution being sort of those civil liberties the federal government's not supposed to be involved in? Yeah, that. Unbelievable. And they're and they're querying U.S. persons by a lot. 93% less 2021-2022. And 41% down from that. Oh, you mean uh, maybe because they were violating the law since 2001 when they started doing this stuff? This is craziness. This is not – this is only in government. Only in government would this be the case. And so this is the tweet from the FBI. I threw it on there. I'm going to look up on the screen here. It says, the hashtag FBI is committed to working with Congress to improve Section 702 as part of the reauthorization so we can better protect national security and civil liberties. Learn more about the role of 702 in protecting the homeland at this crappy website where I pulled this document for you. Um, Why are they working with Congress? Why is the FBI working with Congress at all? How about Congress tells the FBI what to do? They have oversight. They have the authority and the power of the purse. All of this is nonsensical, and they can't even handle street-level crime that's just right down the street from them. The, the number of things that go on in D.C. that the FBI doesn't handle is wild, and they've decided to put their entire careers on January 6th, and they can't find the pipe bomber. I know that's a throwaway. We'll do a whole thing on it, but they can't find the damn pipe bomber. They can't find out anything about it. They haven't even established that the pipe bomb had anything to do with January 6th. It could have just been some pissed-off person. That's a That's a plausible theory without any more information. Meanwhile, what are they doing? Trying to get more spying apparatus. They got the can kicked down, and Republicans keep funding it. Does that bother anybody that they just keep funding this thing? The money is there. There's no there's no reason that they shouldn't keep doing what they're doing because it's working. It continues to work, and these people continue to get promoted, and they continue to have access to all this stuff. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll find out what uh, Chris Ray had to say. Between two and three, most likely he will be answering questions about his favorite color, uh, flavor of ice cream. He's also been asked questions like, do people recognize you when you go to the grocery store? He has some pretty hard-hitting questions when he faces the uh, you know, the population of the sycophantic FBI support employees. They're pretty nauseating. And that's why we don't have any change. Nobody in the FBI is pushing back internally. The whole good and men and women of the FBI, what are they doing? Are they fixing it? Are they solving problems by asking hard questions and making sure their leadership is held to account? No, they're letting their management continue to run roughshod over the Constitution and they're following orders. So our ongoing beef 
the suspendable's ongoing beef with the FBI is that. That men and women who know better, theoretically, and have sworn to do better, theoretically, have chosen not to. So, I'm 100% behind it. Abolish the FBI. We'll be talking about Bongino's. Uh, I'll be on radio show, the radio show, I guess, next uh, tomorrow, something like that. We'll talk about some of this stuff and some of the ongoing issues with the pipe bomber, which and what it has basically shown is a complete ineffectual attitude that when somebody dropped the single most terroristic threat on the national capital region on this particular day, that the Bureau has decided not to cover down on that and not to do the job of investigating full bore with every resource they had. No, they went after MAGA grandmas. Or as my buddy Dan likes to say, uh, it was turn in your MAGA neighbor weekend. And that's what they did. And that's what they've been staking their careers on. But hey, it keeps working. Why would they do something else? Uh, that's the show for the day, folks. We really appreciate it. Don't forget our merch store. Don't forget you can support the O'Boyle Family Sweatshop. I actually got some rare footage of inside the O'Boyle Family uh, Sweatshop yesterday. I may actually uh, not tell him, but release it. I had some pretty funny stuff of Garrett pressing out shirts and whatnot. So you guys don't forget about them. It's the-dispendables.com. Again, the-dispendables.com. He's in a hole with a bunch of orders that he has to fill. Let's keep him busy. Also, your prayers for Garrett O'Boyle would be really appreciated. I know he's just got some basic uh, sickness. He had that operation, which we talked about. He had some things cut out and uh, has a little infection. The VA is uh, very interested in keeping our our veterans not well, but they're interested in giving all of their, uh, their capabilities over to... <laughs> Illegal aliens. So rather than good health care for Garrett, they're giving it to people that don't even belong in this country. You guys can support the O'Boyle family's spirits and their financial situation. And also, um, you can support the Suspendables in general by letting people know that we're out there. You guys can go to the-suspendables.com. Use promo code Kyle. It'll save you 10%. I'm wearing a blue version of the uh, Last Line Strength. I don't know if they even sell these. Sometimes Garrett just sends me like really cool shirts, and I like them. So check all of that out. We will be doing, I just saw it, Kyle, do more spaces. We will be doing a Twitter space uh, at the end of this week. So stand by for that. I got a couple of good interviews coming up. We're going to get Mark Hout on the program, and we're going to get some good conversations about his run for Congress. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, joining us. Let's do a five-star review as well. Guys, we wouldn't be complete without running one of those. Here it is. Five stars. Coming in from, I guess that's T-O, is that Tobedine? Tobedine? Uh, T-O-B. D-E-N-E, a great podcast, five stars. One of my top, sorry, top of my list to listen to, very informative, but I actually watch it on Rumble. That's what I'm talking about. That's why this one's on here. I actually watch on Rumble. It's much better with all the video clips that Kyle uses. I'm just on here on Apple to write a review. Hey, you guys can be just like Tobedean and you can actually write one just like that. You can go on and you can go to Apple, click the link if you have an iPhone and you can leave us a review even if you watch it on Rumble and we appreciate it and we'll read it just on the show, just like that. The five-star reviews continue to pile in. We're appreciative, we're thankful, and we just hope that uh, you guys will continue to listen. I hope it's of value to you. It uh, gets me going every morning, and we'll see you again very soon. Don't forget to support all the sponsors and the Suspendables, and guys, the AMRAD is gonna be again, what's today, Wednesday? It'll be tomorrow, so don't forget the American Radicals podcast at AMRADPOD, A-M-R-A-D-P-O-D, on Rumble as well. We'll see you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.